Sexy Planet, the podcast where we talk about why our planet is the best planet and what we need to do to help keep it sexy. I'm your host, Laura Jackson, and on today's episode, I wanted to talk about greening your coffee routine. This is the first episode of Sexy Planet, and I'm sure that the format for this is going to change quite a bit. Uh, in the future, but for now, it's just me talking. But uh, I thought this would be kind of a fun way to to kick off the the new podcast um, because I think that most people in America do drink coffee, and this is something that maybe you haven't thought about before. Maybe you have, and uh, you you know just haven't really explored other options for for how to drink coffee. <laughs> I mean, other than just with your mouth. <laughs> So, um, so today we're gonna we're just gonna go over the different options for coffee and uh, what is uh, most commonly um, used by people in the United States and what are some better options for us. So I don't know a, a lot about how coffee is. Um, well, I guess processed. I mean, I know that coffee is grown and it's, uh, you know, most of it's grown outside of the United States. So there already is a carbon footprint um, just with the transportation and the water and the, you know, everything, the uh, fertilizer and everything that goes into growing coffee. I don't know. I have no idea how it's grown. The extent of what I know about how coffee is grown goes back to like the one time I think I watched out of Africa. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they are growing coffee, um, but that's not what this episode is about. This is about what we do when the coffee is here, how we get it into our bodies. <laughs> um, so, I'm gonna. What I'm gonna do is actually I'm gonna go over sort of three different methods um, in order of what I deem to be the worst possible scenario for drinking coffee to what I think is the best, and actually what I choose for myself. Um, so the first one I want to cover is the worst, which is um, going out for coffee and using a disposable cup. So I'm not going to call out any coffee chains here. And, you know, I know in the past that when you would go to get coffee from um, from a coffee chain or from a coffee shop that you could uh, you could bring your own reusable mug. But during COVID, I think that has been... Um, discontinued. So I'm under the impression now that it's all just takeout cups, which we all know are just pretty, pretty terrible. They're single use. You can't really reuse them because they degrade so quickly. So they either start leaking or they start leaching some chemical uh, from that plastic lining of the coffee cup. If indeed you're using one of those uh, coffee cups that is paper on the outside, but plastic on the inside or wax or whatever. I don't think that's very easy to recycle. So it's just not a great option. And then on top of that, you have those plastic lids. And then you also have a stirrer, typically a little plastic stick that goes in there. Sometimes it's wood. Either way, it takes uh, resources to produce and it has to be thrown away. So um, that's, but that's not the only problem I have with 
uh, takeout coffee and other, well, for one, another thing, it's incredibly expensive. But there's also the waste that the business produces as well. And for anyone who's ever worked in a diner or a restaurant or a coffee shop, you know that there's a lot of stuff that they have to use to assure that there's that that the product is safe, that they're um there are like food safety guidelines for all these places. So they have to use a lot of gloves, right? Especially now during COVID and those all get thrown away. They have to go through processes to to make the coffee, which includes like a lot of cleaning processes and probably a lot of chemicals to keep these urns, their coffee urns clean. Anyway, so there's just a lot of waste and a lot of energy that goes just into the product or to keeping those coffee shops open. In addition to that, there's also <laughs> how you get this coffee, which is usually that you drive to it, right? So so you get in your car and, you know, back in the day when we were all going to work, you would stop off at the coffee place and maybe you would go inside, but a lot of coffee places are closed now. So, I mean, I've seen lines of cars, you know, 12 to 15 deep in some of these lines for coffee, which, all right, let's just... <laughs> I mean, I I don't I don't want to talk about lines right now, but I hate lines. I will never stand in line if I can avoid it. It's I mean, I have I have literally jumped out of a line before and put like all of my groceries back because I just didn't want to deal with the line. So I would never sit in line to get a coffee. But we have like 12, 13 cars that are all lined up at these little coffee kiosks or, you know, larger coffee shops. And maybe they move fast and maybe they don't. But regardless, those cars are sitting there idling probably for at least a couple of minutes. So that obviously is just not very environmentally friendly in and of itself. So that's that's my pick for worst, going out and getting takeout coffee. I don't want to say this and put any small businesses at risk. I actually think that small coffee shops are great. They're fantastic ambiance when they open up again or if they have outside seating. I think that is actually a really good option. I think we should support those businesses because they tend to try to source um, sustainable coffee and coffee products. So I, I would still, you know, want to, I would still try to support those smaller businesses. Just make sure that their uh, practices align with your ideals. You know, it just takes a little bit of research. And, uh, and I th think they often use reusable coffee mugs as well. Okay, so that's my pick for worst. Um, so my next pick is better, but still kind of bad. And this is, these are my categories. Worst, better, but still kind of bad and good to great. <laughs> so better, but still kind of bad um, are the Keurig machines. And I feel like pretty much every family in America got a Keurig machine <laughs> during this one particular Christmas or like maybe it was a series of a few. It seemed like I saw like one Keurig in a hotel lobby once and I thought it was pretty cool. And then like the next year they were in everyone's homes. And I have a few complaints about the Keurig. <laughs> okay, well, first and foremost, uh, the coffee cups the, or the K-cups, the Keurig cups, the ones that the coffee comes in are horrible. <laughs> they're plastic. They don't biodegrade. They're not recyclable. They go straight in the garbage. And that is just a crime. I am actually really surprised that this, that the Keurig took off like it did, considering that we're entering this 
era of awareness as far as living eco-friendly goes or, or living a little greener than we used to. And so these little Keurig cups are just the opposite kind of, of where of where we should be going as a society for reducing waste. They're completely unnecessary. That's that's what is that's what is troubling about it is that we had a perfectly good way of making coffee at home and then the Keurig machine came out and then we just decided that, you know, these little cups were so convenient that it was worth throwing five to six of them in the garbage every day, depending on your household and how many cups of coffee you have. I mean, they make one cup of coffee. So um, there is a uh, a workaround for this. If you are, if the thought of throwing away these little K-cups horrifies you, you can get reusable um, Keurig pods, these little, like, it's a little basket, basically, with a lid that you put your coffee in, your ground coffee, and then you can put that through. And that is a much, much better option. It saves the plastic waste, and the only waste that is produced is from the um, from the coffee grounds themselves. So that's a good option. What I like about the Keurig is that it only um, makes one cup, so you're not throwing any coffee away. And I think that it's fairly energy efficient. So, you know, it takes um, some time to heat the water, but it only uses as much as it needs. Uh, So I think it it actually takes the portion of water that it needs and then it heats it instead of like heating a whole big kettle, which is something we'll be getting into in just a bit. Um, So reusable uh, coffee pods uh, for the Keurig are the much better option. It's also good for just heating a hot cup of water. Uh, I have another comp- complaint about the Keurig though, and that is it is just a massive appliance and it takes up a lot of counter space and I don't like keeping appliances on countertops. So that is uh, my my own personal beef with the Keurig machine. I just don't think they're necessary. I think if you have a, a hot water kettle um, and a cup... <laughs> The way to to make your coffee, there's not any need for a Keurig. It's just too, I don't know. It's too niche for my liking. So I just say "Eh," to the Keurig altogether. Sorry, Keurig. I'm probably going to put you out of business. (laughs) I'm that powerful. (laughs) Okay, so that was uh, better then takeout coffee, but still kind of bad. Keurig. Um, so now we get to move on to what are the good to great options for coffee? Um, so I have I have actually tried all of these methods before. Um, and some of them, they're all pretty good. Some of them create a little bit more waste than others, but that can be dealt with uh, if you have the option to compost. So we'll start with pour over slash drip uh, coffee. These are pretty much the same thing. One process just takes, you know, your involvement more than the other. Um, so we'll start with drip because I feel like that's familiar with uh, to pretty much everyone. And that's what I grew up with. They have the, the little pot at the bottom and then there's like a big space above it where that's where you put your coffee grinds and then uh, draws hot water up and basically pours it over the top. Uh, but it's a machine that does it. So this is drip coffee. It can be pretty good. Um, the problem with drip coffee is that you tend, I mean, in my family, we tend to make more than we drink. So there's some that's always left over that gets tossed out. Also, after it brews, uh, the coffee pot stays on to keep it warm. So that's just using energy. And I think that's one of those appliances where if you keep it plugged in, uh, it might still suck power out of the, um, out of the outlet. It's one of those, what are called like vampire appliances where they just kind of keep sucking power even when they're not running. I don't know. I could be wrong about that, but I think it's one of them. Um, So that's 
drip coffee. Um, and then uh, along those same lines is pour over coffee. And so if you're on Instagram, I'm sure you've seen like a million people making their pour over coffee, especially during COVID. This became a really popular thing in the last five years. Um, you see like people have those little gooseneck kettles and fancy hot water heaters and scales and hand grinders and expensive coffee and Chemex thing. And it's just such a thing. <laughs> and admittedly, I also got into it myself. This is a great option too. Uh, if you have a Chemex, it typically comes with a reusable filter. And actually, you can get reusable filters for drip coffee makers too. And, and, you know, and then you just heat as much water as you need, and then you pour that hot water over the grounds and you have complete control over how much, uh, water goes over the grounds at a certain time. And, you know, you, there, you know, if you've made pour over before, you know, there are like many steps to it and it's kind of fun. It's just kind of a nice little meditative thing, or it's like a, a nice routine or ritual. The only problems with this method, uh, that I can find are that, uh, the waste that's created. So, it, you know, you have the coffee grounds, you have the filter if you're using a paper filter. And that's, so that's the problem with both uh, drip and pour over. But that can be addressed if you have a composting bin, um, which I don't because I don't have anywhere to put my compost. So I don't have a garden or anything like that. Um, but if you do, then putting your grounds or, you know, even if you have a composting bin in your community, uh, putting your grounds and your coffee filters, that can all go in there. If you use the unbleached coffee filters, that's even better. I'm not sure if you should put bleached coffee filters. So just go with the good old fashioned brown ones. There's not really any reason why you need a white coffee filter, um, in my opinion. And typically the unbleached ones are cheaper too, I think. So, so yeah, if you have your coffee grounds and your unbleached coffee filter, once you're done using them, you can toss them in the compost bin and then they will turn into dirt and make delicious food for your plants. So that's drip and pour over and also uh, French press. Uh, so French press is a little bit better uh, than pour over and drip because there's no filter. So French press is just the grounds and you, the way you make a French press, you have a vessel and you have a pressing agent. <laughs> And uh, you put your coffee grounds in the bottom, you put the hot water and you stir it up, you let it sit, and then you press the grounds down to the bottom of the vessel, and then you can pour your coffee from there. I've done French press in the past. Uh, I don't really care for it. I don't care for the way the coffee comes out. I feel like I always have grounds that get caught in there, and I'm like chewing my coffee as well as drinking it. So that's user error. It just was a little bit too complicated for me. Also cleaning the French press is kind of a pain in the butt um, because it's all kind of stuck in the bottom there. And so getting it out, you have to like actually pour some water in it and swish it around. And then at that point, it's kind of tricky to put in the composting bin because it's like really soppy and wet. Um, so I ended up just throwing my grounds away in the garbage and I just I don't know. I didn't feel great about it. So French press is still good because it doesn't have the filter, um, but it is still not the best method, in my opinion. Although pour over drip and French press do taste better um, than the uh, than what I deem the most eco-friendly method. <laughs> and uh, that is instant coffee. <laughs> and I'm going to get so much so much crap for this because people just hate instant coffee 
So, um, but I've been drinking it for a long time and I don't know if I'm just adapted to it or what. With French press pour over and drip, you have to go get beans, right? And so the beans, they typically come in wax lined bags and that is hard to recycle. Um, I don't think there are a lot of towns or communities that do recycle those bags. Uh, even if you buy them out of the bulk bin, the bags you get are still the paper wax lined bags. So that's another problem with those methods. When you go instant, you kind of take that component out entirely. Um, And I'm not talking about the instant coffee that comes in the little individual serving sizes. I'm talking about the big jar of Nescafe. So I started drinking instant probably when uh, when I was camping a lot. And and that's uh, a big part of my life was actually camping and backpacking. I actually um, lived out of a Subaru for like four months one summer. And even then, actually, we did the pour over coffee most days and it would get cold by the time it was time to drink it. So I moved from that to instant coffee and uh, and it didn't taste good at all, but it was so much easier than making the pour over and it was nice and hot in the morning. And there were a lot of days where I would I was getting up super, super early and it was really, really cold and just getting like a nice hot cup of coffee in my body first thing was the best trick to get me moving. <laughs> um, but it had to be hot, you know, lukewarm coffee. When you get out of your sleeping bag and it's you know 25 degrees outside is not very inviting. So that's when I moved to instant. It was so hot that it just burned my mouth and I couldn't taste the coffee. Um, but I guess when I came, when I would come off the road and I was just, you know, living at home or whatever again, I just had all this instant coffee. So I just was drinking that and it eventually replaced all of my fancy methods uh, <laughs> I wrapped up the Chemex and boxed it up and put it in my storage unit. And I've been drinking instant coffee ever since. So instant coffee is processed there. You know, there is the carbon footprint that comes from growing the coffee, shipping it and processing it. But you get so much in a jar. I buy this jar of Nescafe and it's a glass jar too. That is a huge Plus, um, it, it it does have a plastic lid, but I do believe it is recyclable. And then you, if you want, you can reuse the jars. They're really nice and hefty. So this is the Nescafe pla- uh, glass bottles. You can get instant folders and that's plastic. So I wouldn't recommend that. You get the Nescafe ones. And like I said, there's a ton of servings. One of those jars, a large size jar, usually lasts me a couple of months. Um, I only have one cup of coffee a day. So that's what I use. It's a <laughs> it's a bulk item. It comes in a glass jar. It has a recyclable lid or you can recycle the jar at home. It's a nice looking jar so you can actually use it. I actually have one right now that I have put my bulk lentils in. So yeah, so it's, I kind of don't see many downsides to instant coffee, except for it just doesn't taste very good. And this is where I have a bit of a problem because I do have to put something in my coffee. And uh, most recently uh, I've been doing like a version of Bulletproof coffee and I've just been putting like a tablespoon of coconut oil in and that's it. And it's just so good. It's it's so creamy. And, you know, if you source your coconut oil, if it's organic and if you get it in in a glass jar, um, that has a 
relatively small footprint as well, especially because you can get them in these massive containers. But recently, I actually went out and I bought a, a, a non-dairy creamer and that came in a plastic bag. So that's not ideal. Um, this bag will last me a month. That being said, it's not the best option. So I am going to have to find something uh, other than that or just suffer just drinking my instant coffee plain, <laughs> which will probably make me drink less coffee. But uh, yeah, so that is that's the rub with the instant coffee is that I do put something in it. So there's a little bit more of a product that goes into that. In that way, I guess that the, the pour over and the instant would kind of balance each other out in that regard, because when I drink pour over, I don't put anything in it because the flavor is just really good. So I don't know, maybe I'll just have to bounce from one to the other. And I did just buy a new hand coffee grinder and I really want to use it. So I might have to go back to the pour over again. Pour over is great. It just just takes a while and I'm kind of lazy. Um, so so that's my call for a best coffee option with nothing in it. Instant. There's no waste. Uh, the vessel that it comes in is completely recyclable, either in your recycling bin or at home. And you get a ton uh, of servings with a for a relatively small amount of money. However, it should be noted that when you're heating water for any of the processes where you use where you pour your own water, like pour over, French press, or instant, uh, and this is something I knew but I, I forgot, you should only boil as much water as you need because obviously it takes more energy to boil more water. And then if you're just using half of that water, that's kind of silly. You know, that extra energy that you use to boil those other three or four cups of water, it just has totally been a waste. And that can, you know, accumulatively over time, that can also save you money. So there you go. And that's the thing about um, moving more toward an eco-friendly living. It's, you know, a lot of people think that it's going to cost them more money because, you know, buying things that are locally sourced or organic um, tend to be more expensive and they are. But when you start considering how you're using energy or water and um, you actually will end up send, saving a little bit of money, even like unplugging your coffee maker or whatever appliances that you have that are using energy when they're not in use. Learning this stuff will actually help you save money as well as the planet at the same time. Anyway, um, so that's it. My call to action for this episode is to buy less coffee from coffee chains, especially during COVID, uh, just to save on those on that paper cup waste and idling in traffic. Or if you have a Keurig, get one of those uh, little coffee pods. Or if you haven't tried it before, go for a pour over or French press, um, or, you know, maybe you'll give instant coffee a shot. I wouldn't go out and buy instant coffee if you don't know that you'll drink it though. I would, uh, I would, I would have, I would try some first. Maybe if you have a friend who has some um, before you go out and buy it, because I mean, I feel like every cabinet in America has a big jar of instant coffee that's like 15 to 20 years old, <laughs> except for in my house because I use all of my instant coffee. Uh, let me know what you think. You can email me at sexyplanetpodcast at gmail.com and I will include a link for that in the show notes thanks so much for listening um if you like this podcast go ahead and give us a like if you have any ideas or if you have any corrections or if you just want to completely blast my opinion about <laughs> instant coffee or if you know a really good instant coffee that doesn't need anything added to it please uh feel free to reach out and let me know all right guys that is going to wrap it up for this episode i'm laura jackson thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful day